A Telltale Pod production. Blackberry Blue by Jamila Gavin. Blackberry Blue Who is most likely to be happy? The king in his castle, with all his lands and wealth? Or the woodcutter, living in his little cottage in the forest? The giver of life and death treats everyone equally, and happiness is like a butterfly. Who knows whether it will settle on you? But although there are butterflies to bring joy, there are dark forces that watch, waiting to bring grief, like the raven witch and her wolf son, who had their eye on a certain king. This king thought he was the happiest man alive. His queen, whom he loved so dearly, gave birth to a son. Now he had an heir to take the throne, and the whole kingdom rejoiced. The baby prince was called Just. But even before the celebrations had ended, the young queen died, and the king was heartbroken. In the forests where he often went hunting lived a woodcutter and his wife. They longed for a child, but the years went by and no baby was born to them. Some people would have said that the woodcutter and his wife were very, very poor, but they felt rich enough, and though they yearned for a child, they accepted their fate and didn't let this sadness cloud the happiness of their lives. Every day they went into the woods to look for food. They knew all the fruits and herbs of the seasons. They ate wild garlic in the spring, apples and plums in the summer, mushrooms and hazelnuts in the autumn, and before the winter set in, blackberries. The wife's favourite time of year was blackberry time. She knew just when to venture out with her basket. She knew just where the blackberries were fattest juiciest and shiniest black. Everyone for miles around said that no one baked better blackberry pies than she did, and she even sold them to the royal kitchens at the castle. That autumn, she heard the kitchen gossip about how the sad king, thinking his son, Prince Just, should have a mother, was going to remarry. As the woodcutter's wife sighed and commented that happiness was a gift that even kings could not buy, somewhere on the parapets above her head a great black raven called loudly. One fine autumn day the woodcutter's wife drifted deeper into the woods. 
It was further than she usually went because, strange to say, although the brambles were thick and thorny, for it had been a warm summer with plenty of sunshine, there were very few blackberries. After many hours of foraging, her basket was still only half full, and the blackberries she had collected were certainly not black, but reddish, small and hard. She couldn't possibly put them in her pies. She sat down on a grassy bank, exhausted, realising that she had wandered far from her usual paths and was a little bit lost. But she wasn't afraid, because the sun was still high and she had never been seriously lost in the forest before. She lay back, her face upturned to the sky, wondering at the flocks of rooks that circles and cawed, and then she fell asleep. It was a cry that woke the woodcutter's wife, a thin, plaintive, hungry cry, a sad, abandoned baby's cry. She sat up with a shiver. Everything was deathly still. All she could hear was the sharp, clipped cause of the rooks and the high-pitched squeak of bats. The baby's cry had been a dream, she reassured herself. She scrambled to her feet, feeling wobbly and chilled to the bone. She scooped up her basket, ready to go home, when she saw a huge, rambling, shambling, prickly, thorny wall of brambles, positively glistening with the fattest, juiciest blackberries she had ever seen. The woodcutter's wife rushed forward. How could she have missed it? She began to pick as fast as she could, so fast that the thorns pricked her fingers and tore at her arms, and her blood ran into the juice. There seemed no end to the profusion of blackberries, and soon her basket was full to the brim. Her fingers were quite purple, her legs were scratched, and her skirts were all tangled in the thorns. When at last she tried to scramble out, she found that she was trapped. She struggled this way and that in her efforts to get free, but seemed to be caught fast. She was beginning to despair when she heard a faint cry. It was the same sound that had woken her from her dream. A thin, plaintive, hungry cry. A sad, abandoned baby's cry. Good heavens! exclaimed the woman. What's this? She pushed her way deeper into the thorns. And there, right in the very middle of the prickles and blackberries, cradled in the briar, was a tiny baby girl. Her skin was as black as midnight, her lips like crushed damsons, and her tightly curled hair shone like threads of black gold. When the baby looked up into the woman's face, her eyes glistened like blackberries. Oh my goodness, exclaimed the woodcutter's wife. You poor little thing! And she scooped up the infant and popped her into her large apron pocket. Miraculously, the thorns didn't scratch her as she turned to find her way out, and the brambles seemed to part as she backed unhindered into the open. Although she looked about her and even called out, no one appeared to claim the child. 
Well, my little berry, I'll just have to take you home, she murmured. The woodcutter and his wife loved their foundling child and named her Blackberry Blue. The years went by and Blackberry Blue grew into the most beautiful girl anyone had ever seen. The woodcutter enjoyed making wooden toys for his little daughter, and the woodcutter's wife loved plaiting her black curls and twisting them with acorns and leaves. And Blackberry Blue grew up the happiest of children, so loved and nurtured, becoming more lovely with every day that passed. Each year, the woodcutter's wife took Blackberry Blue back to the great bramble patch where she had found her, and, as if to say thank you, the brambly bush was always covered in blackberries, which they collected till their baskets were overflowing. Then they would go home and bake blackberry pies to sell in the market and take to the palace. Meanwhile, the sad king had indeed married again, and his second wife already had a son of her own called Wolf, who had come to live with them in the palace. Although the new queen was certainly beautiful, the woodcutter's wife had heard whispered gossip that she was a witch. Why did every room seem to grow chill when she entered it? Why did flowers die when they were placed in her chamber? Why had a black raven been seen flying out of her bedroom window at night? As for the queen's son, was there any boy so mean and cruel? He seemed to relish nothing more than causing pain, both to animals and servants. Whereas the king's own son, Prince Just, suited his name and was growing up to be noble and good, his stepson, Prince Wolf, seemed to be the opposite. Some said he was, indeed, a wolf and had been seen prowling around the palace at midnight. But somehow the king was so besotted with his new queen he indulged the boy. Even when there were fights between Prince Just and Prince Wolf, he always supported his stepson. The years passed, and one day Prince Just and Prince Wolf were out hunting. They passed the woodcutter's wife and her daughter on their way to sell their home-baked blackberry pies. I'll have one of those, declared Prince Wolf, reining in his horse and he snatched more than one from their basket, without any pleas or by your leave, let alone a payment. Prince Just asked if he could buy one, and held out a silver coin. When Blackberry Blue lifted up her basket for him to choose, he looked into her shining black eyes, and his heart leapt for joy. But before the prince could even ask her name, they heard the hunting horn, and were off. Was there Ever a more handsome and noble man than Prince Just, murmured the woodcutter's wife softly, as Blackberry Blue watched him till he had disappeared from sight. It was midwinter when the woodcutter fell ill and died. Very soon after, the woodcutter's wife also took to her deathbed. But before she died, she said to Blackberry Blue, Dear child, I am not your real mother though no real mother could have loved you more than I have. I found you in the great brambly bush where we go every year, and I believe your mother's soul lies somewhere within it. So be sure to go back, as we have always done. I am certain 
She will help you. Then she breathed her last. Now Blackberry Blue was all alone, and she wept, and for the first time she felt deep sorrow. Sadly, she went into the forest till she came to the great brambly bush. She sank down onto the snowy ground and cried out, Oh, my mother, mother mine, how shall I live? And a voice from the brambly bush murmured softly, Dearest daughter, sweetest born, make a cloak of briar and thorn. It will keep you safe and well and save you from the witch's spell. So Blackberry Blue began to weave a cloak of brambles, and though she picked long arching canes with piercing thorns, never once was she scratched. All through the spring and summer, Blackberry Blue mourned the woodcutter and his wife, and when autumn came around once more, she took up her basket and went back to the great brambly bush. Then her mother's voice said, Dearest daughter, daughter mine, Go forth to the castle fine, bake your pies, but beware, the queen is cruel, beyond compare. Blackberry Blue filled her basket with the juiciest blackberries and covering herself in her brambly cloak, went to the castle kitchens. The chief cook gave her a job helping the pastry cook. All through the winter, she baked the king his favourite blackberry pies. She soon picked up the palace gossip and heard how everyone feared the new queen. They would have been even more afraid if they had known that in her deepest dark heart, the queen wanted her son, Prince Wolf, to be king one day and that she hated Prince Just. Now, Prince Just had never forgotten the lovely maid who had sold him the blackberry pies, and he longed to see her again. But no matter how often he rode into the woods, he never came across her, even though he and his father still got their favourite blackberry pies to eat. Surely she couldn't be far away. It was nearly time for the spring ball to which every girl in the land was invited, and it was hoped that both princes would find a wife. Prince just wondered if perhaps the maid who had sold him the blackberry pie would hear of it and come. I wish I could go to the ball, but I'd look very silly in my brambly cloak, whispered Blackberry Blue to her brambly mother, for ever since she had laid eyes on Prince Just, she had fallen in love with him and longed to see him again. Come to me, my daughter true, when the woods of spring flowers blue. I will make you such a dress, fit enough for a princess. Every day, Blackberry watched for the moment when the snowdrops pierced the dark winter ground, when aconites burst into blossom and wild daffodils grew in glorious clusters in the dells. But it was when the bluebells flooded the woods that she went to the brambly bush. There, laid out before her, was a dress woven with spring flowers, a skirt of bluebells trimmed with forget-me-nots, with a bodice of daffodils, a dress fit for a ball. She put it on. How lovely she looked, the blues and whites and yellows enhancing her blackberry-black skin, making her eyes shine like the ripest of berries. 
She plaited and twined her curly black hair with creeping jennies and fronds of fresh curling ferns. How do I look? she asked. Dearest daughter, daughter mine, nowhere is there one so fine. But before rose dawn lights the sky, leave or your dress of flowers will die. Full of joy, Blackberry Blue covered herself in the brambly cloak and returned to the castle kitchens. All day, hour after hour, she cooked and baked and was sent scurrying this way and that. Evening fell and the ball started. They could hear the merry fiddlers and drummers all the way down in the kitchens. At last, the excited maids rushed off to have their moment of glory at the ball and all alone, Blackberry Blue secretly slipped off her brambly coat. She looked like the queen of the flowers. Her eyes glistened, star bright. Whereas the maids entered the ballroom by the servants' stairs, Blackberry Blue went up the great flight of stone steps and in through the front door. From the minute she entered, every head turned, from the footman to the king. Prince Just thought he had never seen anyone so beautiful, yet she looked familiar, and he immediately went to her side. May I have the pleasure of the next dance? he asked with a bow. Blackberry Blue nodded, radiant with joy. But no sooner had he taken her hand than Prince Wolf leapt in between them. This dance shall be mine, he insisted, and whirled her away. And it wasn't just the first dance, but the waltz, and the minuet, and the tarantella. Every time Prince Just reached out to take her hand, he was pushed aside. In fact, as if to spite his brother, Prince Wolf danced with her all evening. Suddenly, Blackberry Blue glanced out of the window. The night sky was becoming pale. Any moment, pink-fingered dawn would break through the crack and her dress of flowers would wilt and die. How she had longed to dance with Prince Just, but it was no use. She must get out of the palace or be humiliated. I must go, I must go, she cried and ran from the ballroom. Prince Wolf chased after her. I command you to come back, he bellowed, but he could not see her any more. There was only a small figure wrapped in a tattered, brambly cloak, scurrying along the edge of a ditch. He tried to grab her, to ask if she'd seen anyone pass by, but his hands were pierced with thorns, and he pulled away in pain and strode angrily back to the palace. Prince Just had rushed out too. He'd seen a shadowy figure hurrying towards the forest, leaving behind a trail of fallen petals, yellow, white and blue, he had to follow. The trail of petals led him deep into the woods, and he remembered it was near where he had bought a blackberry pie from the woodcutter's daughter. He followed the petals further, but came to a halt by a huge, brambly bush. And though he searched all around for hours, he found no trace of her.
Summer came, and there was to be another ball. Blackberry Blue's mother made her a dress of summer flowers. Roses, irises, lilies, and campion. How beautiful you look, my darling, sighed the brambly bush. But, mother, I'm so afraid Prince Wolf will force me to dance with him, and I won't be able to dance with Prince Just, whom I love. And the voice in the bush replied, Let the seasons run their course. Goodness will be the greater force. On the day of the ball, Blackberry Blue worked in the kitchens, covered as usual in her brambly cloak. But as soon as all the other servants had finally left to peep at the celebrations, she threw it off and entered the palace by the front steps, looking as radiant as a summer's day. As she had feared, Prince Wolf was waiting for her, and as soon as she entered, he grasped her hand and wouldn't let anyone else dance with her the whole night long. Prince just watched with an aching heart. If only he could have just one dance with her and find out who she was. But once more, Blackberry Blue saw the night sky turning grey with the onset of dawn. I must go, I must go, she cried tearing herself away from Prince Wolf. I command you to stay, roared Wolf, grabbing her arm. But Prince just challenged him. Let her go, how dare you insult a lady? With a snarl, Prince Wolf turned to face his brother, and immediately a fight broke out, which was only stopped by the king himself. Blackberry Blue sped from the palace. Once again, a shuffling brambly figure scuttled along the ditch as the sky turned blood red with the rising sun. Prince Just ran after her. There was a trail of flower petals and he followed them. As before, he reached a great brambly bush, but here the petals stopped and there was no sign of the girl he was looking for. Suddenly, out of the trees, a snarling grey wolf sprang upon him and tried to tear him to pieces. As the prince struggled to fend it off, a cloaked creature leapt out from the bramble patch, and a brambly cloak came down over the back of the wolf, wrapping thorny arms around it. The wolf immediately fell away, howling in pain and covered in prickles, and disappeared from the woods. The prince lay as if dead. Desperately, Blackberry Blue tended to her dear wounded prince, and her tears fell upon his face. She dabbed him with herbs and ointments, and gave him a sip of blackberry juice. Then, clasping him in her arms, she dragged him onto a nearby track and secretly guarded him until he was discovered. When Prince Just was found and carried back to the palace, he mumbled wildly about being saved by a brambly bush, yet he hadn't a single mark on him whereas Prince Wolf was seen limping around, covered in scratches. When Blackberry Blue returned to the kitchens, the castle was seething with rumours. Although Prince Just had been rescued in the woods without a scratch, he had now fallen ill and was lying in his chamber with a fever. Some people whispered that he had been poisoned by the wicked queen. Every night the queen ordered a bowl of soup to be sent to the prince, and every morning he was a little worse. Three months passed by and now it was time for the autumn ball 
but no one's heart was in it, as Prince Just was still ailing. The old king, who had watched his son getting weaker by the day, was heartbroken. My son, my son, who can cure my son? Is it right to be holding a ball when my son might be dying? he asked. But his wicked queen said, Of course it is. It will make him feel better. Besides, it's Prince Wolf's birthday, and Prince just wouldn't want to spoil his celebrations, would he? And I'm hoping that my son, at least, will choose a bride for himself. And so the ball was arranged for a week's time. Blackberry Blue was in the kitchen. All day she had been baking blackberry pies, and she set aside a special platter for Prince Just. A maid was about to take the soup up for the bedridden prince, crying, Oh, isn't it sad? Prince Just is dying. Is there nothing that can save him? Blackberry Blue said, Let me take the soup up to him. I have baked him his favourite blackberry pies, and they contain a remedy that might make him better. So Blackberry Blue pattered through the palace corridors and up the staircase until she reached the prince's chamber. When she entered, she found him lying there, so pale and listless, with his eyes closed and his brow damp with a fever. She placed the tray by his bed and whispered in his ear, It is I, Blackberry Blue. I work in the kitchens. And I've brought you some blackberry pies. But first, dear prince, do not drink the soup. I fear the queen poisons it. Pretend to get worse, even though you will soon get better. I have put special curative herbs in my pies, so only eat them when she has gone. Then she hurried away. The queen swished into the bedroom and stood in front of Prince Just's bed blocking his view so he didn't see her drop something into his soup. Then she came around the other side and handed him the bowl. Come, dear boy, drink up. We need you to get better, she said with a smile. Dear madam, murmured the prince weakly, is the window open? I feel a chill. When the queen went to check, the prince hastily tipped his soup into a potted plant nearby. My, my! That was quick, she remarked when she came back to his bedside and saw, with satisfaction, the empty bowl. The day of the third ball arrived. This time Blackberry Blue's mother had made her a dress of autumn leaves, red, yellow, gold and purple, edged with red berries and small white winter roses. When Blackberry Blue had braided her hair with holly and ivy, she looked more beautiful than ever. She covered herself with her brambly cloak and went to the palace kitchens. As before, she cooked and baked hour after hour. When all the maids and cooks excitedly went up to the ballroom, Blackberry Blue flung off her brambly cloak and ascended the front steps of the palace. Every head turned when she entered the ballroom. The musicians nearly stopped playing, they were so entranced by her beauty. Prince Wolf immediately bounded towards her and took her arm in a vice-like grip. So you're back, my dear, he whispered. This time I shall not let you go. They whirled around the ballroom for dance after dance until Blackberry Blue felt sick and dizzy. But suddenly the music ceased abruptly 
mid-phrase. Everyone stopped dancing and looked in amazement for there, at the top of the staircase, a happy, smiling king had appeared, and beside him, Prince Just, looking fit and well. Cheers and laughter swept through the hall. How pleased they were to see their beloved prince. First, I was saved from a wolf by a mysterious girl in the woods, he cried. Then I was saved from poisoning by one of my maids, who brought me black brew pies filled with a magical cure. She warned me not to drink my stepmother's soup. I was too weak to open my eyes, so I never saw her face. But because of her, I am safe and well and I have vowed only to marry the girl who saved me, and I think I know her. Prince Just strode across the ballroom floor and politely bowed before his stepbrother, Prince Wolf. The next dance with the princess will be mine, he said. Prince Wolf snarled. He looked over at his mother, the queen, as if to say, What's this? I thought Prince Just was dying. The queen turned green and looked at the king. Guards, guards, take her away, ordered the king, and her evil son too. No! The wicked queen screeched and swooped across the ballroom floor, transforming into a cawing raven. With beating wings and outstretched neck, she pecked and clawed at Prince Just, as if she would rip him to pieces. No! spat Prince Wolf changing into the fierce, slavering grey wolf that had attacked Prince Just in the forest. Everyone screamed and scattered. The dawn-grey sky turned red as blood. Blackberry Blue's beautiful dress had turned to thorns. As the wolf was about to spring on Prince Just, she snatched up her brambly cloak and tossed it into the air. It floated there, like a strange dark cloud, then dropped down, enveloping the pouncing wolf. With a shriek of fury, the raven queen flapped her wings and tried to fly out of the window. But Prince Just fitted an arrow to his bow, and with swift and accurate aim, loosed it. The dreadful creature plunged to the ground, dead. As the guards dragged away the howling wolf, Prince Just took Blackberry Blue in his arms. He looked into her glistening black Blackberry eyes. It was you, wasn't it, who sold me the Blackberry pies, who saved me from the wolf, who cured me. A soft, rosy dawn flooded through the ballroom, bathing everyone in a pink glow, and the prince asked Blackberry Blue to marry him. Yes, yes, she replied joyfully. At that moment, a footman announced the arrival of a late guest, a strangely beautiful woman whose skin was as black as night, dressed in the dark, purpley black of blackberries, entered the ballroom. When Blackberry Blue looked at her, she knew that this was her brambly mother. Now that the wicked Raven Queen is dead, the spell she cast on me is broken, said the woman. She held out her arms. My daughter, my daughter! And Blackberry Blue rushed into her mother's embrace. Prince Just and Blackberry Blue were married after the winter was over, just before spring became summer, and she wore a dress her mother made for her out of poppies 
lilacs, honeysuckle, and orange blossom. She looked as beautiful as a summer's day, and everyone was as happy as happy can be, especially the king. But Blackberry Blue never forgot the woodcutter and his wife, who had been a mother and father to her when she was growing up, and she never forgot who had taught her to make blackberry pies. Every blackberry season, she took a basket and went to pick blackberries at the Brambley Patch. And when, in due course, she gave birth to a daughter, she took her too. Tell a Tale Pod Production.